0: Welcome to the 3 and d Podcast. As always, Sean Coleman here, uh, ready to enjoy a night of conversation. And I am very, very thrilled to welcome back my co-host, Justin Lewis. How are you, sir?
1: I'm good. I feel like you have to say that a lot, that you have to finally <laughs> welcome me back. <laughs>
0: Hey, there's nothing wrong with that at all. As I've told everybody, every single episode that we've had where we um where I, you've had a busy summer, an extremely busy summer. It happens. And I'm just glad to have you back. The show's at its best, obviously, with you here with us. Um, Justin, though, should be back with us, you know, pretty consistently again with this job and other things, you know, sometimes same on my end. You know, we may be absent, but we always want to make sure we bring you a great product. And like I say, when Justin uh, is, you know, when we're co-hosting the show together, I feel it's at its best. But for tonight, we want to, you know, talk about some things regarding the Grizzlies. Obviously, material news is, is pretty slow right now. But I do think there's some pretty interesting things that have happened over the past week that certainly uh, should be discussed. going to lead off the show talking about the Dwight Howard um, situation. There wasn't much of one, and I think that that's a good thing. Uh, then we'll get into the Grizzlies bench, and then uh, we'll discuss uh, the 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 surprise news of the week, uh, the Andrew Luck retirement in the NFL. What would that look like in the NBA? Just a, kind of a, a cool way of, of looking at things through uh, the eyes of theory. Um, what if someone were to retire on the level of Andrew Luck, and how would it shock the NBA? But, Justin, you actually broke the news uh, on Grizzly Bear Blues regarding Dwight Howard, um, obviously getting the workout with the Lakers and being signed by them. What are your initial thoughts of that? Obviously, I know that there, you know, it's not much of sentimental value there on the Grizzlies' part with Howard. He was with the team for a month, never was actually with the team, never played. But just your initial thoughts on the whole Dwight Howard situation?
1: Yeah. Um, at first, um, I think it was just hanging on. You um, know, I, I didn't know if. Um, there was a debate going on within the front office of whether we should try to buy out Plumlee and keep Howard uh, and see what Howard has left to offer or if the plan the whole time was to buy Howard and they were just waiting on some leverage. Well, um, the leverage came uh, in the form of the Lakers, uh, which was kind of surprising. I think I'd still rather have Joachim Noah um, based on the way that he played uh, for us last year. But they uh decided to to see what Howard had in tank which gave us leverage um and because the lakers had nothing to trade us um we were able to save even more money so ultimately in the end uh when you save the 3000 so or 3 million dollars on the initial trade for CJ Miles uh then we save about three more million on that the grizzlies were able to shed 6 million dollars in contract and uh lose nothing of much of any value in return so ultimately it worked out um and for us it will stink if howard goes on and has um you know revitalization to his career um and he could have been off the bench for us for five mil but i think this was the right move uh, going forward
0: i do i do agree completely with you i mean here's the thing about it um, with the way the Grizzlies are operating, by bringing in these veteran assets as ways to save money or ways to use their equity to gain assets, um, you know they're, 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 the, the the assets themselves they just don't have a lot of value to the Grizzlies. And you know, opposite from Andre Iguodala, you know the potential reward for hanging on to Howard and things such as that it just wasn't that great enough to to you know really you know go through that hassle when you could just buy him out and send him on his way. But I also do think that, you know, kind of indirectly, uh, the, the Grizzlies will probably never come out and say anything about this, but I do think that it's a token of goodwill that the Grizzlies are showing. They obviously, you know, I think the Grizzlies do need to have an eye on public perception. They do need to have an understanding of you know, making sure that, you know, their reputation as a franchise is certainly there. It's gonna be more important for them to have that type of reputation versus a bigger market, in my opinion, at times. And I think that, you know, allowing the Lakers to talk to Howard, allowing for it to work out as it did. I feel like the Grizzlies quickly getting it resolved, buying out Howard, letting him be on his way. I think it was a token of goodwill to show that, you know, yeah, we're doing a lot of moves here. We're bringing in some veterans, some big names, but we're willing to work with them. And In the Players League, I think that's important. So now with Howard, obviously, you know, out of the picture, you know, again, it shifts back to Andre Iguodala. And, you know, Justin, the one thing that has been missing, you know, there hasn't really been any type of, you know, confirmed um, uh, talks about the situation from Iguodala's camp. Do you feel anything has changed or how do you see, you know, it potentially resolving itself before the situation or before the season starts?
1: Yeah. I found it extremely odd that we've heard nothing uh, at all from uh Iguodala because well so if if Iguodala wanted out I think we would know um like if, if he was if he was pushing for hey put me on a contender get me out of Memphis we would know and he made that obvious when he went and he spilled the tea on Golden State Warriors um and pushed his way out of there um so I'm not so sure that he is is just dying um to go. he's got his finals m v p he's got his ring um I think he sees um uh, an opportunity with some young guys, maybe he could mentor or maybe he just sees the opportunity that hey let's let's wait until december uh fifteenth when some of these guys that just signed new contracts can be traded, and then my value may be either higher once injuries happen. Uh, or season start going in a direction that maybe some teams aren't liking and they need to pick up that veteran, and now more contracts are available to be moved. Um, so I think Eagle Dollars value only goes up um, between now and the trade deadline, but it, it, the most significant value he's going to have is going to happen at uh, December 15th when all the other contracts become tradable.
0: That's an excellent point. Um, as far as the date goes, obviously people think the trade deadline is it, but of course, you know there are scenarios where before the dreadlo- trade deadline you can make sense. And I do think that the Grizzlies are are, are in contact with Iguodala's camp. At least I hope that they are. But I also think one of the things that you know, kind of like you mentioned, you know, leverage. I think one of the things that also kind of plays into Iguodala's um, favor is this. Yeah, it makes sense right now. You know, when you think about it, you know, on, on the surface, you know, you would think that Andre Iguodala would make a power move to try to get on a team, you know, that he really wants to play with. But you also have to think about, you know, the difference in situations. If Iguodala goes to a team now there's less certainty about what that team's chances is going to be six months from now. Mm-hmm. Also, also you potentially could see, you know, Iguodala playing more and the potential could be there to where he could, you know, get fatigued, get injured, things like that. If it does not work out, if he stays on Memphis, I think him in Memphis will have an understanding. Listen, I'm going to sit here and play. I'm not going to cause issue, but you give me the rest. I need to stay healthy so I can play for another, you know, during another playoff run. And by waiting until February to be traded, obviously at that point um, Iguodala has more certainty uh, uh, of wh- that where he's going to go. There's a legit chance for you know a championship contender uh, to be on a championship contender. I agree with you. Iguodala has been there. He's done that. He he's he's you know checked all the boxes. But I do think that because of that, he's okay with staying around for a little bit if he can guarantee you know, being able to go somewhere and win a championship. So that's why I think he's, you know, okay with being patient. Um, Yeah, I
1: agree agree at the point that, like, if say the the Lakers made a move for him now or the Mavericks made a move for him now with the expectations to go after and a title, but say Anthony Davis goes down for the Lakers and then their season just goes south um, and then Iguodala has wasted a season over there by getting traded there too early. Um, so I completely agree with for Iguodala, it may be most beneficial for him to wait to the trade deadline to see how, how the playoff picture is shaping up and miss it team. Like, all right, you, you've been good to us up until this point. We're going to send you to the place that's going to give you the best shot. And I, and I think another thing that you said that I want to hit on is, uh, the Grizzlies reputation. Um, they are in repair mode. Um, from the years of just the coaching cycle that we've gone through recently and the, and the front office and how ugly it's been here and the, the Brooks fiasco and all that stuff. Um, I think Kleiman and Wexler are doing a great job of repairing that. And, um, I believe that you, you've got a point there with this Howard move and this move with Iggy will go a long way with players, uh, with our franchise going forward.
0: And that's why I think that you have not, that's the only explanation I can really come up with that you haven't heard anything from the Equidola camp is that the Grizzlies have been in contact with him and they've told him they've had a, they they told him they have a plan in place, you know, because a lot of people were thinking that this may, there's a potential this could get ugly. If Equidola did come out and say something and the Grizzlies sit here and they are stubborn trying to get an asset, well, you know, in a players league again, you know, that could be negative. But I think the Grizzlies, like you said, Kleiman and Wexler are aware that the reputation is something that needs to be repaired. So instead of sitting here and telling the public what they want to hear, they go straight to the source, Iguadala, let him know what's going on. And I feel they've done that, and that's why we haven't really heard anything from Miggy. But just looking at the bigger picture, this— whole idea. You know, I I know that, you know, a a common uh, um, way of self-employment, extra income hobby in today's world is flipping houses. And to an extent, that's basically what the Grizzlies are doing with these assets. You know, they're using the equity that they have to buy assets, take on more assets to take on those big contracts, and then flip them for even more assets. You know, it's just an endless cycle. Justin, do you feel like the Grizzlies should continue this approach into the next year or so or do you feel like you know maybe next year um yeah if that opportunity is there that's great but do you feel like that type of activity will kind of die down as we go into the next year or so um in terms of of the Grizzlies potential to act as you know act in this broker sense of being a mediary to where they can gain assets by taking on unwanted contracts
1: yeah I think it's going to die down because um, we've got a handful of expirings um that are gonna benefit us um in the end. Uh unless unless there's a scenario where somebody wants an expiring Solomon Hill or an expiring Miles Fumley, uh and they're willing to part with a draft pick, um, or a young player with a couple of years on their contract that maybe they're ready to move on from. Um, like Josh Jackson and the Phoenix Suns needed a, a, to part. Um, if unless something like that comes where the Grizzlies just can't deny it. Um, I think the Grizzlies are probably close to done with that. They'll take the cap space um that they're gonna generate going into to next year to make a run it uh a free agent to put next to
0: John and Jaron
1: and, and call it a day.
0: And that's the other thing about it. I think that, you know, you come to a point to where, you know, all the wheeling and dealing is great. The fact that the Grizzlies have been able to gain as much assets as they can and all the assets that they've gained have been on one year contracts instead of the you know speculation they'd have to take on a big contract for a few years, it's wonderful. It's great. And again, it just goes to show not only are the Grizzlies making the right moves. But, again, they're cre- They're using moves to create more moves, and they're very logical and they're very informed with their moves. So I, I feel like that there's just a, a lot of good things going on for Memphis right now. Speaking well, of danger,
1: that. We, the danger that we have to avoid with that is, is turning into the Celtics, where you're wheeling and dealing and wheeling and dealing and setting up for the future and setting up for future moves and setting up for more future moves and then – Boom, Kyrie walks away, Kyle Al Horford walks away, and then you just you're just stockpiled with assets and nothing to do with them. Like you didn't get Anthony Davis. Um, you weren't really you got lucky with Kimball Walker, but at some point you gotta start making moves for the now and not the future. So you don't you gotta be careful not to run into a, a Danny A situation where you're gonna start hoarding assets um, and then don't do anything with them.
0: You're 100 correct, and that would even be even more devastating for Memphis because, again, like I stated, us being a small market, we don't have the resources like Boston does to be able to, you know, find ways to attract talent. You know, when it it it, I know Boston hasn't been able to keep up with talent, but we just don't have the financial resources. We're not the destination that they are. So again, you're right. I still think it's a bit early to be to you know to be too concerned about that point. But it is a relevant point, and it will only continue to grow in relevance. It's great that you're continuing to build these assets, but at some point, you've got to be able to cash them in. And hopefully, hopefully, the way that as thorough as this front office has been with gaining these assets, they'll add that same, they'll they'll show that same thoroughness in cashing in those assets, either for draft picks or maybe for other future trades um, to see what they can get um, going forward to add talent around know their young core speaking of their young core obviously as we you know said from time to time the focus of the Grizzlies is is how young and just how exciting they are Brandon Clark Jackson Jr. uh, Jonas Valanciunas um, John Morant those are your stars those are your studs uh, to put it as good a terms I can that's your core for now Uh, you know debate how valuable that is what you will but, Justin, there's some other young talents that are out there, and we've seen some pieces over at Grizzly Bear Blues that have talked about that. Justin, of all the young names that are out there, could you talk with me about the two most intriguing names that you feel are on the roster that you really think have the potential to maybe have a breakout this year? Two names
1: for a breakout. Um, I think the obvious one that – Everyone is going to expect you're going to be Jaron. He's going to get more focus on the offense. Um, I'm hold really hoping, though.
0: Hold on. Sorry, Justin. So, I was meaning besides the four. I, I know that. You okay, know, besides it, the four. Okay. Yeah, besides the four. Yeah. All right. That makes it easier. So,
1: yeah. my first one would be Tyus Jones. All right. Um, I'm really looking forward to um, him just kind of uh, being free to run alongside Java Rant. Um, I think he'd be a good guard to start beside him, but if he backed him up, I think that's uh, Tyus Jones leading the second unit is great. Something that we um, that Parker Fleming actually pointed out to this today that probably gets overlooked a little bit is that his wingspan is six foot five. Um, so he he has long arms for his small frame. Um, so on the defense, he can create havoc. Um, he I think he's going to continue to improve as a shooter and score, and he's already. Um, a good floor general and uh, passer. So I'm excited to see Tyus Jones and believe that he could um, break out. Um, and another one that I'd like to see um, this year as a potential breakout would be Caboclo. um just as a stretch four um, and, and a wing guy, just continue to let him get out there, uh, block shots, um, use his length. Uh, I want to see him be more aggressive going to the to the hole and finishing. Um, there's too many layups that he missed uh, on contact. So hopefully he's in the gym working on that. Uh, But his uh, three-point stroke, his length, uh, his potential to be a stretch four, and even a stretch five um, in some lineups is very intriguing. And I think if if Coach Jenkins gives him a chance, um, he could have a breakout year too.
0: Yeah, there's no excuse this year um to not give these guys chances. Um, that that that's the one thing that I will say. Obviously, your focus is developing Clark Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. But you've also got to see what you have. It's only going to benefit you if you can develop. You know, and if you could have an unexpected development like a Robert Covington in Philadelphia and things such as that, a guy who you don't expect to, to really be of any value that becomes a significant role player, maybe even more. So I agree with you on the two that you mentioned. I, I do agree that um, Caboclo and Tyus Jones certainly uh, are ones to watch. But that leads me to my second point in the bench of the Grizzlies. I actually think could be the could be a strength. Let's assume that the starting lineup is is John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Jonas Valanciunas. Set those five to the side. Well, now you've got some rotation in the second unit of Tyus Jones at at shooting guard. Some rotation of probably, uh, you could probably put Grayson Allen at the, the two spot. And then Jay Crowder, Josh Jackson, Bruno Caboclo, you know, on the wings. And obviously Brandon Clark probably manning the middle. I mean, Justin, that's a lot of length a lot of athleticism. What are your thoughts on that being the second unit? You know, it, what are the uh, advantages, maybe disadvantages, of that second unit playing for the Grizzlies, you know, significantly this year?
1: Well, you left out DeAnthony Milton. Um, Fair enough. Who I, I think who, who I think is going to be a factor uh, in that just as much as Grayson Allen and uh, Kavocla will be. Um, and so I think Crowder uh, is going to be awesome. Off the bench uh, for veteran leadership for his defense three point shooting um, uh, Clark's can be fun off the bench if Jones is coming off the bench like that unit has it's it's tantalizing uh, just yeah, thinking definitely. about it um now obviously you're gonna run somebody like um, a miles Plumley at the five at that point, so you're not like super thrilled about that but if if he's the worst player on the floor by far. Um, then you kind of live with that, uh, unless Ivan Rabb shows off and somehow makes a team and gets the backup five spot. But I think he's, I think he's gone. Um, but that just the amount of wings you have. If if you strike gold on one of Grayson Allen, De'Anthony Melton, or Josh Jackson, then you won the offseason. season, uh, and you've got a young wing player for your team going forward uh, they, the franchise hasn't had since Rudy Gay. And um, it's it's going to be funny watching these guys get a chance to prove themselves in the second unit uh, with guys like Pius Jones and Jay Crowder running this them.
0: And that's the thing that I'll say is this, is that, you know, th- th- you said tantalizing, and I agree with you completely. But the one thing I'm probably overvaluing or probably having too high of an expectation for the defensive potential of this team but look at the defense that's on the bench for you. The potential of Kabocho, Josh Jackson, um, you like you stated, Tyus Jones, Jay Crowder, and Brandon Clark. If you had those five out there, you it, it's such a unique second unit unit compared to most second units. Typically, when you see you know in the last three minutes of the first quarter, first three of the second quarter, when you see a lot of teams' second units out there, it's just back and forth basketball. Who can score the most points? Well, this team now playing legit defense and being able to create turnovers and points off that, I really think that's a where the Grizzlies could, you know, either stay close or pull ahead of teams this year and maybe earn some victories, um, you know, in upset situations where they're playing more talented teams. Do you feel that, you know, the Grizzlies' defense in their second unit could be looked back, you know, if, if, if we fast forward a year? Do you feel like if someone were to look back at the nineteen twenty season, the defense of the second unit could really stand out as a strength for the Grizzlies, Justin?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially when it's um Brandon Clark blocking shots and and Crowder and Jones. And then Milton. Milton is going to be a beast on the defensive end too. Uh Kaboko, uh, with his backside blocks and uh, Grayson's hustle and, and hard nose play, like you don't you're right, you don't think as many of many second units, uh, as thriving defensively. Um, uh, but this could be one that does. And that, that's awesome because our first unit is going to be great on defense as well with, with Jaron and Kyle Anderson, uh, and, and Jonas in the, in the front court. So, uh, while the the league doesn't really focus much on, on defense and, and it's historical for the Grizzlies that defense is what wins them games. but with this new, uh, Coaching staff, our offense is going to be uh, a faster pace, but it's still going to be defense for this team, which is crazy because you're you're trying to change identities, you're trying to move on from the past of the grit and grind and, and the hard nosed defense. But defense is what's going to be what carries this team uh, through the the nineteen twenty season.
0: And and that's what Taylor Jenkins said. You know, it, it, a lot of people when they probably they may have groaned a little bit when when he was asked, "Well, what is your you know viewpoint of this team?" Well, it begins with defense. Oh, we've been there before. Well, it's different this time. You know, it's, it's playing through athleticism and, and, you know, intelligence rather than physicality and, you know, team chemistry. Well, you need both all of those, but you get my point. But the other thing that I will say is this, is that while there's potential there, obviously you could talk about potential all day, there's also proven facts. Last year, when you look at the 700-minute mark of duos, Duos that played 700 or minutes or more together, the top duo in terms of defensive rating in the NBA was Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr. Josh Jackson was in three of the top four defensive rated um, duos in Phoenix. So there's proof that these guys can play defense, that they buy into defense, and they can buy into playing it together. I think that it could pay dividends now and into the future for this Grizzlies team. You know, sticking with the youth on this Grizzlies roster, obviously, Justin, I had asked Joe Molinax uh, back when we talked about the schedule. You know, like when we look at the schedule when it comes to February, the Grizzlies go more than a month. Now, obviously, the All Star breaks in there, but they go more than a month in which they only play three games at home from the beginning of February to the beginning of March. Do you feel like you need to play people as many minutes as possible. But do you think the Grizzlies, you know, potentially have any concerns about fatigue or injuries playing a part if they play the rookies too much because of what happened last year with all the injuries to their young players?
1: I don't. I don't think you can operate out of fear in um, anything in life, really. But but in this this season, where you need to develop. Uh, as much as possible, get them as much action on the floor as possible. Get the NBA bodies, uh, and the NBA strength, and NBA talent. Um, John Morant's going to learn the NBA game, and if you want to be relative, uh, yeah, relative or relevant, um, as soon as next year, by being able to go out and sign a free agent like a Jalen Brown that may be uh, able to be snagged, because um, next year you might be just one piece away from back in the playoffs um with the growth of Jaron and Jaw, but you're not gonna get that growth if you're not playing him out of fear of fatigue or or injury. So I think you just gotta roll these guys out there, uh play them as much as you can, find a a rest here and there. But if they're playing any less than seventy five games
0: uh and they're not injured, um I think that's a mistake. Do agree with you. And I I I'm not trying to hit at the point that I feel you should do that. Do I feel that there needs to be, I feel there needs to be trust between the coaching staff and the players. I feel that the coaching staff, yes, while playing them the minutes that they should, playing them as much as possible, developing them. The coaching staff also needs to ensure that the that the players let them know when something doesn't feel right. I, I think at times with our previous regime that was not in place. But when things are not feeling right or, or something's not making sense, communicate. Let them know. Don't don't be a hero, as they say. Um, I think that there's got to be trust there to make sure at all times because, you know, that's one thing that the Grizzlies also have had, you know, uh, bite them, you know, several times in the past is injuries. And so if we're changing a lot of things and we're doing a lot of things right, I think that that's the next step going forward. Speaking of injuries, Justin, um, getting outside of the NBA, a very, very surprising development this past weekend. Um, Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis Colts, who I feel um, arguably was the best, Quarterback prospect to come in the league since Pate Manning, um, he retired um, uh, unexpectedly. Uh, it's it, it, when you th- it's unexpected because of how young and how good he he was. But you know it kind of makes sense with all the injuries that he occurred. What were your thoughts on that? And just you know, in general, what are your thoughts when you see a rare um, guy in his prime retire? What impact do you think that makes on sports?
1: Um,
0: on sport.
1: As a whole, I don't think the impact significant. On football, the NFL, it's just another shot to um, the future of that sport. Um, another shot at um, parents not letting their kids um, sign up at a young age to play football due to the risk of the, the amount of injuries. Um, it was definitely a shock um, and, and a surprise, but at the same time, it's not. Like, this dude has made multi-millions, millions upon millions upon millions. He's, he's played at a high level. Why, why go trot yourself out there behind one of the most atrocious offensive lines in the NFL and take a beating for another year? Walk away healthy and don't risk further concussion or risk further injury. Get, walk away, enjoy your millions. You're going to get a coaching job in the NFL at some point because of how brilliant you are and just <laughs> go from there.
0: Now I think you bring up a good point. I think that that's definitely a a good point to make. um, In that, you know, hey, this guy has, you know, he said it himself. It just the it's the physical part of it is is a big deal, but it's the it's the mental, it's the emotional part. Rob Gronkowski, you know, who's had his own injury concerns, but is, you know, in my opinion, the greatest tight end talent to ever play the game. He himself said, "Listen, I physically could do it. It's not the injuries." it's just a mental setup. It It's hard to do. And, and I've done it for a decade and I'm just done with it. So I, I think I, it makes perfect sense uh, what you say in that, you know, while it doesn't make sense to us because we don't know all that goes into it, when you really think about it, there's a lot of logic in, in why it occurs. But Justin, just for a fun, you know, fun um, activity here, just wanted to say When you think about the NBA, you know, we've seen early retirements before. Obviously, the most famous was Michael Jordan. But if you were to look at today's NBA and you were to, you know, look at a player who's on the level of what luck was in the NFL, what player do you feel would have this type of impact if they all of a sudden just decided to call it quits?
1: Well, one that I'll give you that was more recent than Jordan was Brandon Roy.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: He was – injuries just took his career. Him and Greg Oden both, um, obviously, the Trailblazers have just had terrible luck with that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But if, if we were to go to today's NBA, um, I think I think right now, somebody that is about to be out of the league um, at, at a point in their career where maybe they shouldn't is going to be Boogie Cousins. And okay. that's going to be partly because he forced his way out with this whole incident with uh, threatening to kill his baby mother. Yeah. Um, and then on top of his just Achilles and then the ACL. Uh, I think even with the Achilles and the ACL, we might have found our boogie just hanging it up sooner rather than later. But we'll skip him. And to think of somebody um, early uh, that was, would shock the NBA would be somebody um, like an Anthony Davis. Saying, uh, say he gets injured this year again. And he's just like, you know what? um I think I'm, I'm done. I've made my money. Um, I'm, I'm going to walk away after only, you know, six or seven years in a league like Luck was. Um, and people are going to, you know, when I say Anthony Davis, are going to, he would never, well, who would have thought Andrew Luck was going to do it? Who would have thought that Rob Gronkowski was going to do it? So if I'm, a, if I were to pick one, um, I think Davis would be my pick.
0: Uh, I think you bring up a very good point, um, in Brandon Roy. I think that's one that I was thinking of. I think that that's that's a very astute point to look at. Uh, just you know, from the simple aspect of you know, injuries did play a part in Lux, and they and they played a part with Roy's obviously as well. Um, the name that I was thinking of actually was the Trailblazers. The name that I was thinking was Damian Lillard, um, and the reason why is because I feel that Lillard and Luck are, are pretty similar. Now they don't have the same pedigrees. If you were to look at pedigree. While he is a bit further in his career, probably Chris Paul is, is a good comparison for luck if he were to have retired early. But I think Damian Lillard would have that um, impact. The guy who never is clearly the top at his position, but always is in the, in the argument for top five. While he's consistently in the playoffs, just has never had enough to get to the finals. You know, he went to the conference finals this year. And, and just a guy who is good for the game. You know, Damian Lillard, you know, as an individual, is good for what's right about the game, in my opinion. You know, you may have whatever opinion you have of him, but I think that the positive opinion of Damian Lillard is certainly there more than the negative one is. I think that was the case with Luck. So I think that Damian Lillard probably would be the player that I would think if he retired, he would have this similar type impact on the NBA that Luck's retirement had, you know, in the NFL. Justin, obviously, as we stated, it's been a busy summer for you, We've talked about a few specific things, but just, you know, what's the biggest takeaway, um, you know, the summer league has occurred. We've talked about free agency and all that. But what's your biggest takeaway, you know, since the summer league that you've really seen about the Grizzlies? Or what is the thing that you feel like you're anticipating the most as we head into the season?
1: I'm just anticipating um, all the new guys and seeing them on the floor. I've got an article coming out in the morning um, about how this season, um, while it may not be a playoff season, and it's going to be a season that's going to have no expectations to reach that. It's a, there's going to be an understanding amongst the fan base for the first time since the beginning of the core four that that playoffs aren't going to happen. Um, and so it, it can be deemed and labeled a lost season, but it doesn't have to. This is going to be an opportunity for a lot of fans to, um, to find a new favorite player because most people were a Mike or a Mark or a Tony or a Zach fan. And some of the, maybe the Tony and Zach people moved on to Jaron or they moved to Mike and, and Mark. But now Dylan Brooks is your longest tenured Grizzly and Ivan Rabb with him. And so it's, it's a season to see uh, a new type of offense, um, just to have a new favorite player to, to rekindle a, a passion for, for the Grizzlies. And it's going to, even though we're not going to be winning, I think the FedEx Forum are going to be packed this year because it's going to be exciting to watch the personalities and the talent of Jaw and Jaron. I just can't wait to see the energy that those two bring to the FedEx Forum on a nightly basis. I I think I am more excited about watching this season of of basketball than I
0: have been in the last three or four years with the Grizzlies. Agreed completely, and and I think and, and you know that's that's a hundred percent correct. If you are looking at this season in terms of wins and losses, you're limiting yourself like the Grizzlies did in the past. That's that's what I think it really comes down to. The Grizzlies were so blind to the fact that their their what worked for them in the past had an expiration date. It was going to be as good as the talents that, you know, were the, you know, engine that made the car run as Randolph and the rest of them Age, the strategy was going to be less effective. And the Grizzlies, I think, waited too long to really move on from that. But but when the calendar turned 2019, they finally set themselves up for a direction. They went with it, and they have made the most of it. So I think you hit the nail on the head again in that this is not a lost season because it's the first building block towards the future. You can't look at this season for what it is by itself. You have to look at it as the first step to hopefully, what will be a long-term journey of success, and I feel like if you look at the development of the players, you really focus on how the coaching staff, you know, develops and things such as that. All those things together can make this a very successful season, no matter how many wins or losses you know that we have. So, Justin, um, anything else from you before we call it a night um, and uh, wrap up another edition of the Three D Podcast?
1: Well, I'm excited to be back. Um, I, I should be back on a pretty weekly basis going forward. I'm excited about um, one of the special guests that I've been able to lock down for is coming up soon. Uh, and uh, just thank you for holding it down.
0: Hey, hey I, I appreciate your support. And, and as I stated, very much looking forward to the future conversations between us. Um, As uh, Joe Molinax mentioned, and I mentioned a few times, uh, we will be changing platforms and could not be more excited about it. Uh, we will be joining the uh, uh, SB uh, uh, Nation Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network here over the next few weeks. We are putting things in motion to get that done. Obviously, as Justin mentioned, we have some exciting episodes coming up, but the main thing is going forward is that the focus is going to remain on giving you the best content that we can about all things relevant with the Grizzlies and the NBA as much as possible. For Justin Lewis, Sean Coleman, you can follow us on Twitter at 3NDPod, myself at at StatsSAC, and Justin at J underscore Timberfake underscore. But thank you so much for joining us again on this week's edition of the 3ND Podcast.